Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 151 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. 151 is a palindromic prime and is the De La Salle High School football team's national record game-winning streak from 1992 to 2004, 151 games in a row. How impressive is that? In today's show, we'll discuss the Pacific Games and World University Games. In the questions, we'll talk about weight transfer with the pendulum serve, playing against Timo Bowl, how long the plastic balls will remain, and what it means to link your training with your matches. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Super Coach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. And uh, I'm not sure how the um, the internet is today, but uh, it sounded a little bit crackly. Let's hope that we get through this. Um, yes, interesting, interesting show coming up, and um, yeah, just a little bit of discussion on the on the um, two events, not part of the World Tour, but they're um, they're table tennis events none, nonetheless. The Pacific Games and the World University Games, and I just, I think. It's really good to just explore these types of events because they're outside of the mainstream events, but it just shows you how broad and how good table tennis is and, and, and um, how far and wide the game's played. The, um, the Pacific Games is uh, an event that mainly involves some of the smaller Pacific uh, countries. So uh, we've got countries like uh, Tuvalu and... Um, and uh, and Vanuatu and uh, yeah, all Fiji and those sort of countries, and it really gives them the opportunity to uh, participate in a major game. So they have a it's a multi-sport event, and table tennis is is part of that. Um, and then there's also the uh, World University Games as well. So and that's a that's a very high level event. So um, uh, there's I mean there's a lot of um, Top line players from uh, from world table tennis in that, but in a completely different setting, you know, representing their uh, their country um, in the university situation. So table tennis is just so broad and wide around the world. Yeah, it certainly is, Alice, and um, yeah, it's good to see the diversity in table tennis, isn't it? Yeah, it's diversity, and, and it's just just how broad it, is, it really is. You know, like it's just played. It's just literally played everywhere. Such a great game. Oh, but we're preaching to the converted, Jeffrey. We are indeed. Yes. So um, let's talk about Alice. Yesterday's Ping Skillers question of the day, which was an early prediction on who will win the Olympic Games in two thousand and sixteen. Yeah, interesting one. Not not a lot of uh, not a lot of people uh, wanting to make that prediction. I don't think. But um, for me, you know, gee, it's hard to go past my long now, isn't it? But you know, there's zoos in. What about what about um, what about Zhang uh, Is is he still going to be around? For me, he's hard to go past my long. You know what? This is cool. Yeah, the internet just started to cut out, but I think I got it. You're going to go for Fan Zen Dong. Yes, indeed. Fan Zen Dong. 
All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Mar Long. I think he's gonna get on a bit of a roll and be very very hard to stop. So I'm predicting Mar Long. And any predictions for the women, Alois? Uh, Lucy Wen. All right. I'm gonna go Ding Ning then. Ma Long and Din Ning, 2016 Olympic Game champions. Oh, same, same as the same as the World Championships, right? Absolutely, back to back. I know it sounds hard, but I, I reckon I can do it. Now, Alloys Wimbledon has just been on, and Novak Djokovic defeated um, Roger Federer in a you know pretty close game. The first two sets could have gone either way, ended up one all, and then Djokovic showed his dominance took out the Wimbledon crown again. So our Pink Sellers question of the day is, are there any lessons that you have learned from Wimbledon that are relevant to table tennis? Again, get in the conversation by jumping on our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash pinkskills, or on our website under our blog. So go to pinkskills.com and click on the blog link. We'd love to hear your thoughts. All right, now... Questions. People can ask questions live on the show and they can do that by going to our Google Plus page and the easiest way to do that is, again, visit our website, pinkseals.com, scroll down to the bottom and you'll see our Google Plus link. Click on that. You'll see our show. Click the Q&A button. Ask a question live on the show. And, of course, you can always ask questions on our website, pinkseals.com, using the Ask the Coach link. We answer them all the time and we feature the best ones on the show too. So... Let's go straight to Mike, who has jumped on and asked one using the Google Q&A app, and he says, Hi, guys. When a person waits to receive a serve in tennis, some shuffle their feet, whereas in table tennis, most stay firmly planted till the ball is served. Is standing still a good technique, or is moving around a bit before the ball is served better? Yeah, interesting. Um, I think... You know, the just the just the standing there and doing that, that that a lot of the tennis players do probably isn't that relevant. But if you do watch the better players, there is motion when the other player is serving. So they get up as as the other players starting to serve, they do start to move. Yeah, I think the key there, Alice, is being able to react quickly. So. You need to you'd be watching the serve, but your feet have to be ready to move in either direction. So, yeah, I don't really feel like the move is as important as just being ready. And some people find that it might find it helpful to just take a little bit of a jump just at that point so they sort of land and then can just move off either way. But really it's just about being ready, anticipating and moving quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, I was studying myself today, actually, Jeff, and um, I was doing a bit of coaching tonight, and I was noticing that when I was doing some receiving, that every single time as the other person was serving, I would just make a little uh, motion with my feet and adjust them, and just just be balanced on um, on my feet. Um, as they were hitting the ball, so that then I could move in any direction. So yeah, so little, just um, try to try to see what you do when the other person's serving, and see if at the point of contact that you are balanced and ready to move in different directions. Yeah, great tip and great question, Mike. 
Now, Brock has asked a question, Alice. He says, do you think that yourself and Jeff would be great wrestlers? Um, no. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I think I, I'd be better wrestler than you, though. I, I think... I think I could possibly be the worst wrestler that you have ever seen. <laughs> Potentially. All right. Now, here's a good question from Friendy Alois, who says, I watched a video of Ma Long doing the pendulum serve. He said that he used his body transfer to do the serve. He focuses on the centre of gravity with his left leg following with his body doing a slight thrust after the action. What do you think? Yeah, so so there's, there's there is that motion during the service for sure. So as he's preparing um, and making his serve, there is the motion um, to get into a good ready position for that next ball, and that's really important. If you just do your serve and you're static, then you're not in a good position, especially if you're doing a pendulum serve. So with the pendulum serve, you know you might be all the way over here somewhere to make the serve. If you do your serve and then stay there. Um, you're not going to be in a good ready position. So that's why you have to serve and move dynamically and jump into position to be ready for that next ball wherever it comes. Yeah, so when you explain that, Alice, I've got a follow-up question. Say I'm just practising my pendulum serve. Should I just practise it and not worry about anything other than what I'm hitting it or should I you know, almost visualise the opponent returning it. So I practice that extra movement of getting into the ready position that you're talking about. Yeah, that, that's a really good idea to, to practice the actual motion after your service because that is actually part of your service action. Initially, it's okay to just practice the serve. So it's important to be able to get that motion and the action and the contact correct. But once you have got that action, then it's also important to practice the service and the motion because that becomes part of your serve for sure. Um, and the more you can practice that transition from the serve to the ready position, the faster you're going to be at it and the, and the better you're going to be at it. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really important part of uh, service practice. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for the question, Friendy, and hopefully that has helped you out. Now, next up is a question from Jared who says, Jeff, I saw that you played Timo Bowl in the 2000 Olympics and I was wondering what it was like to play him. He is my absolute favourite player in the world with such amazing technical game that is so entertaining to watch. Yeah, now, Alois, it was a long time ago when I did play Timo Bowl and Timo was only young then. He wasn't, you know, half the player... He is now just went on to achieve so many things in his career. But at the time, he was playing with George Roscoff, who had already been a world doubles champion and, you know, represented Germany and, you know, a great player in his own right. So it was interesting for me to, to play against them in the doubles, especially because we were in Sydney in front of our home crowd. So I remember they introduced the Germans and, you know, including George Roscoff, the world champion, and, you know, they just got a light applause from the crowd. And then they introduced me and my doubles partner 
and the crowd went nuts and the just the sound was so loud and I just peered over and I saw the Germans, Timo Boll and George Rostov looking at each other and just having a little chuckle themselves about this, this applause we were getting. And um, they, they didn't look too stressed, I, I have to say, and they proceeded to um, beat us quite convincingly, Alois. <laughs> yeah, it's a good story, Jeff. And uh, yeah, and so your Roscoff's now the uh, German national coach as well. So you, you, you'll see you'll see him coaching uh, Timo um, at most events too. So uh, yeah, so he's certainly gone on to bigger and better things than uh, even playing you, Jeff. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. <laughs> Indeed. Well, yeah. So yeah, great question, Jared. And yeah, Timo Boll is a great player to watch, and you know. It was a great experience playing against him. Now, Pascale has said, Alois, he says, I am training in a camp in Canada for two weeks, four times a day. We only use plastic balls. The coach says celluloid balls will not exist pretty soon. Is that true? I think think probably fairly close to the mark because I think what's... um, the plastic balls manufacturing uh, comes uh, better. Um, oh, you're just cutting out a bit there. I think I can uh, paraphrase for people. I think what Alice has said is once the manufacturing of the plastic balls get better, there'll be no need to make it the celluloid balls. I think part of the reason that they were giving for switching was that the manufacturing process for celluloid balls might have been a bit dangerous and then, you know, the celluloid balls themselves were flammable. So I think that they might still make some celluloid ones now while they're still perfecting the plastic ones, but once the plastic ones are a little bit better and everyone's happy with them, I don't think you'll see any more celluloid ones. And the fact is that, you know, the table tennis rules are now saying we're going to be using plastic balls, so... I think it's the end uh, for the celluloid balls pretty soon. So thanks for the question. Yeah, so the moment, oh, yes, Alice? Yeah, so at the moment, the, the rule says it can be either. But, um, but yeah, I mean, once, once all the ones pay for plastic, the manufacturers manufacturing much anymore, so I think they'll just fade away. Yep, indeed. All right, now... Brock has asked Alois, uh, no facts today, Alois. Oh, yes. So, uh, sorry, thank you for a reminder, Brock. Um, on this day, world history, um, the, the live aid concert in 1985 raised in excess of $150 million for famine relief in Africa. Now, that is good. Not to mention that in 1995, spacecraft Galileo releases a probe to penetrate and take measurements of Jupiter's atmosphere. They are good facts, aren't they, Jeff? Wow, two facts. So Live Aid, the concert, was on this day in history in 1985. 1985, raising wow. in excess of 150 million. 150 million raised. Then organised by Bob Geldof, is that correct? Correct. There you go. Well, that's um, interesting. So, does that mean today's the 30-year anniversary? Indeed. 30 years, can you believe? Back to numbers? (laughs) All right. 
Next up, question from Carl, who says, I'm told by my coaches that I need to link my training to my matches and apply everything I learn. This uh, confuses me because obviously if I train on my forehand topspin, it's simply going to be better in matches. So what does it actually mean? Ah, this is a good one, Carl. Um, so you're right. So if you improve your forehand topspin, when you use it in the match, it should be better, right? ways to use forehand spin. So um, often, often you'll find that players will improve their forehand topspin, but they don't improve um, the ways to utilise their forehand topspin in the match. So, for example, um, it's okay to practice forehand topspin against block, but if you don't practice service and third ball to be able to get into that position, then your forehand topspin is useless. So, it's it's practicing ways and strategies around utilising things that you're practising. Um, and that's that's a really important part. So in our training drills um, and our training plans, we give you some match drills, what we call match drills. And the match drills are the drills that, that start to utilise the skills that you've learnt um, into a match type situation. So um, so that's, that's, um, that's what your coaches are meaning there. Okay, so I guess, you know, linking is kind of a, maybe just a, a word they use to explain that, but really what you're saying is that it's okay to practice strokes in isolation, but to use things in a match, you need to practice them almost like it's a match. So what you're talking about those match drills is, you know, using your serve and using your push and trying to get into playing your forehand topspin. So it's really just almost, yeah, making your game your practice more match-like. Yeah, in, exactly. Yep, well put. Great. Jeff. All right. Well, that's it. That's a good question, Carl. Hopefully that helps you out. Um, and let us know if it does. All right. That wraps up episode 151 of the Ask the Coach show. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Make sure you check out our website, pingskills.com. We have lots of great information on there to help you improve your table tests. Um, and we have a free newsletter. So if you haven't signed up for that, go there right now and sign up for our free newsletter. We'll send out free tips every week. And thank you, Alois, for all your words of wisdom. See you, everybody. Catch you tomorrow. Bye.